Kia ora and welcome to Jules from NZ, a weekly podcast chocker with all things Aotearoa New Zealand and some about me, Jules. Cheer. Jules Gems. I'm going to start this week's episode off with some crucial, you know, technical understanding of some lingo um, between different countries and stuff. Um, super crucial. Uh, take it away, Colin. Kiora Jules, greetings from the UK. Now, this business of chips, chippies, potato chips, whatever you want to call them, gets super confusing. So what you're calling chippies, we call crisps. And the Americans call potato chips. What we call chips, I don't know what you call, but that... <laughs> That is like chunks of potato deep fried. We call them chips. So we'd have them like, you know, fish and chips or whatever. But not to be confused with what the Americans call fries. Now, I don't know where you stand on fries. (laughs) I'm sure you'll let us know. Um, But yeah, so what you're calling chippies, we call crisps. Crisps, the Americans call potato chips, you call chippies. I I think I've got that straight. Anyway, you take care. I'll catch you later. Don't even get me started on Marmite. (laughs) Okay, yes, correct. All correct as far as I can see. Only, the only difference is, I only called it chippies in the episode to try and distinguish. We actually call both chips, which can get kind of difficult at a party to know whether you're bringing the hot kind with tomato sauce or the other kind with, like, reduced cream and onion soup dip. You know, sometimes I just bring both, just to be sure. And you're right, fries is a whole nother thing. And we don't really use fries really much here in New Zealand, apart from at McDonald's, which is kind of an American thing that's brought over anyway. But you really only hear fries talked about with takeaways like that. Otherwise, it's chips. Um, But you guys have wedges, right? You know, like the potato that's like a hot chip, but it's cut in a wedge. That's wedges. Like, let's get technical on this and break this down. Also, Colin, I really wish you had talked about Marmite because I really now, when you say, don't get me started on Marmite, really want to get you started on Marmite, you know? Like, it's reverse psychology, right? You did that on purpose. But it's okay because there are other people who want to get started on Marmite and one of them is Spencer. Kia ora, Jules. Spencer here. Um, wow, I had no idea you had your own version of Marmite. And from the way you describe it, actually sounds like it might be a little more palatable than the stuff we've got over here. So, um, yeah, and you reckon uh, I can find it on our shelves. So uh, I'll keep an eye out for that. I mean, I can already get my hands on L&P, which I absolutely love. And, uh, oh, Tim Tams. Uh, now, I realise Tim Tams might be Australian, so apologies if I've caused any offence by mentioning those, but, uh, oh, they are good. Anyway, love the Marmite episode. Can't wait for the next one. Hey, Spence. I love that you have LMP. LMP is actually one of my favourite drinks as well, and not just because it's made in New Zealand. Um, it's actually made in Paitoa, New Zealand, which is the P in LMP. Um, Paitoa actually has a giant um, LMP bottle 
in the town just to make sure that you really know it's from there you know you can go there and get a selfie next to a giant bottle of LMP. it's kind of amazing tim tams however are australian and it's as australian um but i'll forgive you for that one because i tell you what i wish we could claim the tim tam it is a damn fine biscuit i agree have you ever done the tim tam slam you know where you bite off both sides of the tim tam and then you suck a hot drink through it so everything kind of all melts and goes soggy and beautiful and then you just slam the biscuit back if you haven't done it you need to do it now and as for marmite um as for um giving it a go i'm actually gonna let joe from hindsightless answer uh your questions about what it might taste like for me because he has had the pleasure of tasting marmite recently and i thought you might be best hearing it from him hey jules it's joe and i had to call in right away when you mentioned there being sugar and caramel in the new zealand marmite (laughs) is that are you serious that's supposed to be sweet and the the english version is more tangy than the new zealand version oh man i gave it a shot i didn't like it it wasn't for me but on the other hand my 77 year old roommate absolutely loves it so you know different strokes for different folks i guess (laughs) anyway great episode peace out (laughs) see spencer it's really not for everybody clearly not for joey (laughs) that's okay it doesn't have to be for everybody that just means there's more for me so that's our call-ins for this week um and i am going to only do one more segment of this whole show because the next segment when i recorded it was really really long so um get ready for treasures from the vault combined with jules time to shine all in one go see you on the other side treasures from the vault There are a few reasons why people want to travel to New Zealand. When you think of what you might want to see and experience, you probably bring to mind images of the incredible scenery, bush trails, ocean exploration. You may even think of our wildlife, such as the Kiwi and our rather prevalent sheep. I bet that Lord of the Rings flashes into a few people's minds, along with other big movies like The Last Samurai, Chronicles of Narnia, to name a couple. People want to see it for themselves, you know, just how much of that big screen was our real natural beauty. Or just get to walk into Hobbiton to get that sought-after selfie right at Bilbo Baggins' door. Perhaps it's just the furthest place from where you are that still speaks English. Because <laughs> that's actually a big reason as to why people come here. But there's a big group of you that I haven't hit yet. A massive group of people that discovered New Zealand in the late 80s when our classic Kiwi innovation created something truly terrifying and magical. Adventure tourism. 
Yep. Aotearoa, New Zealand is famous for extreme sports. We even invented one or two. Probably the one that maybe you're thinking of right now. Bingo, there it is. Bungee. Well, okay, it's a small white lie. It's kind of like when Australia says that they invented the Pavlova or that the super famous racing horse Farlap was theirs when he was clearly born in New Zealand. That's a thing that happened. To tell the story of Bungie properly, I guess I should tell you about where Bungie really started. Uh, in Vanuatu, actually, with the legend of a woman who, as a mistreated wife, threw herself out of a rather tall tree and saved herself from death with fines, while her husband, unfortunately, fell to his death. Now, this event was reconstructed annually, and only by women in the original beginning of this event. They called it land diving, and they threw themselves from tall towers for centuries, with only vines tied around their feet. I can't imagine what that must have felt like, just the horrific like bruises that people would get around their ankles maybe that's just me I don't know but eventually men joined in keen to prove their courage as well you know typical men have to be there too and this tradition is still upheld to this day in Vanuatu which is kind of like an awesome way for something to have started in a really weird kind of way um, also really sad and tragic that a lady felt like she needed to do that to get away. Um, but, you know, that's how Bungie started. That's, that's the thing. Um, anyway, so AJ Hackett, a New Zealander, saw this video and well, saw a video of this sort of thing in 1970s. And his imagination started firing like crazy. And he and his mate, Henry Van Ash, started work on developing bungee cords and they worked with the Auckland University students to construct them and test them out because they knew they needed to be specific tensile and stuff you know and like something that would that would um be able to you know take the weight and and not snap more death you know uh and maybe a little more comfortable than vines were so yeah so they were doing all of this work on it and they'd created something that they felt really pleased with, but they knew they would need to take a super radical leap of faith in order to show the world what they had created. And in doing that, and in planning for that, they ended up doing something that made headlines all over the world. So in June 1987, they snuck up the Eiffel Tower at night. And then the next morning, AJ Hackett jumped with the bungee cord from the Eiffel Tower. He was obviously arrested, because nobody does that. Um, and then he was actually released about five minutes later, uh, having a quick conversation with them about how he wasn't trying to kill himself. He was just trying to test this new crazy sport he'd just invented. As you can imagine, bungee went nuts after that. They opened the first commercial bungee at... Kawarau Bridge um, down in Queens, Queenstown um, in November 1988 and people were dying to try it or rather they were 
trying it to not die. I I don't know. Anyway, they were flocking from all around the world, signaling the birth of what would become to what would come to be known as adventure tourism for New Zealand. So three days, uh, three days, ugh, three decades later. And AJ Hackett, this crazy Kiwi entrepreneur, is doing way more than Bungie now. He he has a full-on um, company of all sorts of adventure tourism stuff that you can do. They have giant swings, bridge climbs, zip rides, walks, which don't sound terribly scary, but I'm to get to them in a minute, catapults, and more. And yes, I said catapults. You get three Gs of force as you reach speeds of a hundred kilometers an hour, um, which I haven't actually done the math on what that would be in miles per hour. Sorry, people. Um, but you reach a hundred kilometers an hour in 1.5 seconds. So holy, um, apparently it's the highest of its kind, um, in the whole world as well. So there you go. You can do that in New Zealand. Um, you can also still jump from the original site of um, at the Kawarau Bridge. They've done a few upgrades since then, obviously, but you can still jump essentially from really similar place. Um, you can also jump from the Auckland Harbour Bridge now, um, or the Sky Tower, uh, and this and or they. Like, you can climb to the top of the um, Auckland Harbour Bridge, giving, like, full, like, 360-degree views. And the full knee-high, knee-shaking, terrifyingly high experience, but without the short drop. <laughs> because, ugh, why would you ever do that? Get to that in a minute. Um, the Sky Tower Walk actually looks kind of cool. Has you walking around the outside of New Zealand's highest building, with no handrails around you, and they get you to do all of these completely heart-stopping challenges, um, like dangling yourself kind of off the edge of the rail and stuff, uh, as you're strapped in. Obviously, like you're um, you're strapped in with those ropes and and carabiners and and all sorts of craziness. But and they obviously don't do it if the winds are really really high because you like the danger levels are are like just off the Richter but um yeah that's a thing that you can do with AJ Hackett's uh skywalks and stuff which is you know really really cool um there are obviously other adventure tourism providers in New Zealand it's not just AJ Hackett and what his crew is doing I just wanted to talk about them because created Bungie um but these other tourism providers offer super other terrifying experiences in a myriad of cities around New Zealand as well. You've got things like skydiving, jet boating, whitewater rafting, down waterfalls, spelunking in caves, canyoning, walking active volcanoes, ice walking a glacier, off-road driving, heli skiing and zorbing are all things that you can do here in New Zealand. And most of them not terribly far away from each other too. So you can do a massive, just big adventure tourism travel as you go through New Zealand and it really wouldn't be that hard. What? What did you... Zorbing? What's that? Yeah, no. 
that's fair. We also created that here in New Zealand. Zorbing is where you get inside a big plastic ball and you roll down a hill. Yep, really is that simple. If getting tossed around and bouncing up and down inside a giant plastic see-through ball while plummeting down a grass slope sounds like fun to you, well then boy has Rotorua got the activity for you. Uh, Zorbing is actually kind of gross, I've heard a few people say, as people have been known to get super dizzy, puke, uh, and then had to kind of spend the rest of their ride bouncing around getting coated in their own puke inside the little hole that you're in inside the plastic ball. Yummy. That sounds great. Um, Basically, I think few places in the world are as incredible as Aotearoa, New Zealand, for how beautiful the scenery is and how epic experiencing it is adventure terrorism is like a big part of who we are as a country and the fact that it has just such humble innovative beginnings is just such a true blue kiwi story and how all good things kiwi usually kind of start um, I've only actually experienced a fraction of the nutso stuff that New Zealand has on offer some of that's because price being a constraint uh, to me doing them, and some of that being a very distinct fear of heights. Maybe more accurately, a fear of falling. Or to be perfectly blunt, a fear of going splat on the ground, which is really where most people's fear come from. Um, despite this very, 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 very real huge fear, I have been skydiving before in Taupo. Uh like basically near the lake, which was incredible and beautiful, but super weird, right? For someone who's um, scared of uh, heights. I'm going to tell you about kind of how it happened and how it felt. Um, and we'll just call this uh, part treasures from the vault and part jewels time to shine a little bit um, because I'm going to talk to you about what it was like for me um, and why I'll never do it again. Yeah. So <laughs> I didn't really want to do it. Um, obviously, the fear of heights. Um, my friends talked me into it because I was perfectly fine just keeping my feet firmly planted on the ground until I started realizing what I might be missing out on by staying still down there. So my friends um, were all going up. It's about um, five of them in total. And they'd already laid the groundwork on me telling me it might cure my fear of heights to do it, to conquer them once and for all, you know. They even coughed up some money each to basically make it half price for me to do it. Um, they told me that they were going to hassle me relentlessly for being a scaredy cat, and then they switched to begging me to join them because they didn't want me to miss out on being able to talk about it afterwards. Um and then they sort of encouraged me by being like, oh, God, you'd be so brave. You know, it'd be so amazing to do. But I stoically shook my head and crossed my arms through all of this combination of threats and encouragement. I felt very, very, very sure that not jumping out of a perfectly good plane for nothing more than kicks was the absolute right thing to do. And I was like almost pleased with myself for not giving in to the peer pressure, you know. That is until... I was watching them suit up and they were chatting super excitedly and they were laughing and they were they clearly nervous, but they were like ready to have fun. 
they were meeting their um, their strapped on partners for the flight um, that they'd be jumping out of the plane with. They were starting to get their safety instructions and they were going to leave me there while they did something brave and incredible and I was going to miss out because I was being stupid and scared. And suddenly it just seemed ridiculous to still be sitting there while my friends did this incredible thing and I just stood up and said, I've changed my mind and I want to do it. And when I say I was surrounded by people instantly, I was surrounded by people instantly. Like they ran over to me and they just took what I said and just went with it. They didn't ask me, are you sure? They didn't ask me any questions. They just went, yep, she said it. (laughs) Uh, We're rolling. And they were stripping me off and strapping me in and taking my money and asking me questions and showing me a video, giving me instructions. And I was like nodding like I understood, even though I wasn't sure of anything that was happening because suddenly there was like a ringing in my ears that was drowning out the voice inside me that was screaming at me in pure fear right now. Um, And then I was walking to this tiny little plane and they were showing me how to sit aside the strange bench that makes up the inner part of the plane, which kind of goes down the length of the plane. You have to sort of sit your leg over it like you're straddling a horse, you know. It all happened so fast that I never actually realized until I was in the plane that I was the first in the plane. And I found out that later that they do that with the most scared ones because first in means last out in case you check in out or you take longer or whatever, you're out of the way for everybody else to still go um, when they should go and stuff. So if you're t- holding up the holding up the plane, you're only holding up yourself. You're not holding up anybody else. So, you know, uh, interesting that they already have a technique for that, I guess. They would. That makes sense. Um, the plane was so loud. There was no talking to each other, really. We were all just kind of sitting there, kind of behind each other, like strapped to a stranger on our backs. So there wasn't really much like talking to each other going on. And so we waited, and the voice was clambering to be heard in my ear. You know, it was saying things like, why? This is the worst idea we've ever had. You paid perfectly good money to jump out of a perfectly good plane when you could have just stayed on the ground instead because we're going to die now. You know, my brain is just flashing all of this through my head and the light starts flashing green and all my friends are just falling out of the plane one by one with like thumbs up and smiles and stuff and I'm like oh good they're all smiling going to the death that's great um until it was just like me left in this plane and the man on my back pushes us forward pushes us forward and he's been pushing us forward the whole time so I'm like not even really aware that I'm at the edge of the plane until I'm right there and we're shuffling off the bench and we're sitting on the edge of this plane and my legs are now dangling out the door of this plane and I can see the ground underneath me and I'm not okay with it right but he sort of distracts me and he's like okay we're gonna do this thing and you know you're gonna do it and I can't hear a word he's saying not because I can't hear like I can hear him perfectly well he's yelling right in my ear like his face is right behind my head um but I'm just going no 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 no, 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 the whole time. And at one point I register him saying, pointing at the camera and going, smile for the camera. And I look at the camera and I try to smile because I realize that I'm going out of this plane, whether I like it or not at this point. 
because he's going out of the plane and he's telling me on my bag, I'm going out of this plane and you're kind of coming with me because you're strapped to me. So we're, like it or not at this point, you're coming out the plane. Um, and so when he points at this camera and he's like, smile at the camera, I tried to smile at the camera. I looked at my photo afterwards and I look sick. I look like I'm about to be sick, which makes sense because that's exactly how I felt. And then it happened. There's this moment where you're pushed out of the plane and the world goes to hell. I forgot all about all of the instructions that they'd given me before, like about making my body like a banana and I clawed at the sky trying to stop myself from falling. I was screaming absolutely screaming and and then I ran out of breath and nothing came out and I forgot to breathe in and I now couldn't breathe and it wouldn't stop and I was still falling and I was still clawing and I was absolutely sure that I was going to die in the worst in my worst nightmare the thing that I had been scared of for years and years and years was happening and I'd done it and I'd paid to do it. And now I was going to die. That I was 100% sure that that's what was going to happen. And then there was a moment where I thought the noise of the wind had stopped. And I didn't feel like I was falling anymore. And I opened my eyes and there was clouds everywhere. And I was sure I had. For honestly, I don't even know how long it was. It probably just a split second, whatever a split second is. But I was sure I was dead. Yep. And then I realized that my body was drawing this ragged breath into my lungs. And I looked down and I saw that the ground was still gradually getting closer. <laughs> And so I was still falling and I was super confused. And all of this must have taken like a matter of seconds um, for me to register. Oh, I'm dead. Oh, wait, maybe I'm not dead. I'm still breathing and the ground's still getting closer. So I'm still falling. That's good. Um, and then I felt like this tap on the back of me and I looked up and there's this grinning sort of up to the side and there's this grinning face right there strapped to me and my brain kind of unfogged a little bit as I realized where I was and what I was doing and my heart kind of went weirdly from feeling like it was going to beat out of my chest to slowing down so I could breathe again and then kind of beating out of my chest again um and he gestured with his arms into a Superman pose. And I thought, like, oh, God, I haven't been doing the banana. My brain's sort of trying to kick in, and I'm like, oh, God, maybe that's why we're dying. Um, maybe I've made us die now because I haven't done my banana. Um, and and I, I pulled my arms straight, and we and kind of ended up in sort of like a Superman pose, and I actually felt us shoot across the sky. And then I remembered the, the other instructions. All of it came flooding back. And I remembered them telling us that once you'd stop, like you feel like you stop falling when you reach maximum velocity. And then you can kind of have some fun and fly across the sky. So I laughed because I was like, I'm not falling, I'm flying. 
And I don't get to, like, I'll never get to experience this again because I'm never doing that again. But I better enjoy this while I have it because this is the only time I've ever got to do this. And so I laughed. I gave him a thumbs up and we flew across the sky a little while. And a kind of calm settled in as I realized that the worst was over now and everything was going to be okay. Um, And then he grabbed my arms and put them on the harness holding me. And I remembered the next part of the instructions, which is hold on because the parachute's going to release and it's a bit jerky and stuff. So you want to sort of, you know, hold on to yourself. And I was like, okay. So I squeezed my eyes shut tight again and I felt it shoot upwards as the parachute caught and gained us height all over again. And then opened my eyes up again when I felt us sort of being calm again. And I looked out at the horizon. I remember marveling how beautiful New Zealand is, like even from the air. Like, maybe even especially from the air. And I was thinking this when I sort of heard him sort of yelling at me, do you want to have a go? And I was like, what? And he's like, do you do you want to? And he's wiggling the handles at me. And he's like, steering, do you want to go? And I was like, okay. So I, like, moved my arms up and grabbed hold. And he pulled his arms down, like, someone making, like, the arm pump, like, yes, you know, arm pump gesture. And so I sort of copied it. And I felt us sort of, like circle like ours we're swinging out in the air and like we're circling around and I was like oh that's cool and so I tried the other way and we like circled the other way and he was sort of yelling at me in my ear that like more circles mean less time in the air if you want more flight you should fly some straight and I was like heard that information and I circled that bad boy right down to the ground basically as much as possible um because I was like I am done with the sky I would like to be on the ground now um that would be great so um while I'm doing all of this he's also telling me that he's never seen someone throw a mid-ear tantrum before and I was full-on horrified uh, apparently, when we plummeted from the plane in that initial fall before reaching maximum speed, I'd essentially done the equivalent of a two-year-old throwing themselves on the ground in the supermarket because their mum wouldn't buy them a chocolate bar. You know, like the full-on arms and legs flailing at opposites while screaming, No, 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 take me back! I want to go back! It came me back to the plane! So, you know, that's fun knowledge about myself that I now know forever faced with death by falling I throw a toddler tantrum yep and he thought he was making it better when he was like oh at least you didn't throw up or like pee yourself because apparently that's what a lot of people do and I mean I guess that is a little better that I didn't but then I started thinking about the soup that I was wearing and who had been in it before and if they had done that so that was great too um so I gave the, the guiding handles back to my tandem partner and he sailed us into like a pretty smooth landing actually, which I just did not stick because my legs had decided that they no longer wanted to work. So I promptly tripped up landing on my butt, meaning he had to haul me up on my feet like super fast because we're still moving kind of like sideways as you come to meet the ground. You've got to sort of run um to make sure that the wind like you're still working with the wind when you're landing and I just 
hit the ground, which means he had to haul me back up on his on my feet before he fell over me. Um, so luckily we avoided coming in under full tumble, um, just a wee trip and bounced back up off my butt um, because I think that would have been too much embarrassment to bear after the toddler, toddler tantrum of previously. So there's like a moment where I was standing there being undone with my harness and where I had like a wee silent like pep talk with myself. I was telling myself like, there, you've done it. It's all over. You never have to do that again. Wasn't it worth it like to have that experience with your friends? Because all of my friends were coming down around me and they were laughing and cheering and like giving each other thumbs up as we were all getting unstrapped and stuff. And my voice inside my head came back with a rather uh, emphatic no after having been scared into silence for a while. And I fully laughed. I remember standing there laughing out loud, you know, laughing that I'd survived, laughing that I'd really thought I was going to die or that I was dead for a second, and basically laughing that I'd never have to do anything like that ever again now that I'd done it once. Never. Um, I was scared of heights and remember they told me that it would kill my fear and all I can say to that is bullshit. I am still scared of heights and all that has happened now is that my falling dreams are way more realistic. Brings back that toddler tantrum moment in every time I dream it. So that's fun. <laughs> um... So that's my story about um, trying New Zealand's crazy extreme sports. Um, I'd love to hear your thoughts on extreme sports, like whether you've done any, would you like to do any, do you think that they're like just bonkers and why would anybody do them? Um, are you scared of heights too? Are you scared of something else, which means water, which means you can't do whitewater rafting and that kind of stuff. I really want to hear all about what you guys think about extreme sports um, because it interests me a lot in terms of the types of people who do it and love it and the types of people like me who might try it to say that they've done it, but it really isn't my kind of thing. Um, but I do admire people who are so brave and put themselves out there so foolhardy to me <laughs> um, to do it and just chase that high and have a great time and get those amazing selfies and videos and stuff. I admire you, but I am not one of them. That was probably the only time I'm going to ever do something like that. So, But I'm proud of myself, you know? So that's this week's Jewels from NZ. Thank you to my call-ins. Um, I love you. You crack me up so much and your support means so much to me. Um, it was amazing. Uh, if you're enjoying listening to Jewels from NZ, please think about giving the show maybe a review on your platform of choice. It all really helps um, get Jewels from NZ out there. And, you know, I'm really enjoying... Um, talking about the country that I love so, 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 so much. Um, and I am doing a lot of research to do it. So I'm learning a lot as well. And that's really fun. So, inohora, kakite ano. Bye.